KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. And uh, today's Monday, the third year in the series on Yud Gimomidot. I'm recording this in my house, Matzay Shabbos. And we're cleaning up after Shabbos. When we clean up after Shabbos, we turn on the tape recorder and I can't resist letting you share what is actually playing at this very moment in the background as we get ready for Slichot Yud Gimomidot. Pure coincidence. Or maybe it's Menashemai. But of course, we're talking intellectually, I'm explaining you, and me don't. But we should also remember that it's Tvila Ka'ani Kiyatav. Shem Shima Tvilati. Shabbati Elecha Ta'avol. On the other hand, you're probably here to hear the share. So I'm going to close the door, go into my recording studio, which is a bedroom in my house, and we'll get on with the share. Okay, and now to the Shia. Okay, this is Ezra Beck, series of Shiurim on Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim. And today, third Shiur, and we are on the third Midah, the third attribute, the first attribute, the way we're counting, the way Asidurim are based. Opinion of Abbein Utam in Tosvot and Rosh Hashanah, first attribute is Havaya, Yud Kei Second attribute is Hashem, the second, Havaya, the second, Yud Kei The third attribute is Kel, not Kel Rachum, Rachum will be the fourth. Kel is an attribute of mercy. Why is Kel an attribute of mercy? The Haga'ata Tosvot, the note on the side of Tosvot in Rosh Hashanah of Yitzayim Bet, refers to this question and, says, and states the following. Kel hi midat chozek, ki biyad chazaka hu meichin mazol nacho briyotav, ki dekhtiv hakfirim shoagim lataref ulevakesh mikel, mi el ochlam. He explains, God, what the word really means, el, means it's a attribute of power. So you'll say, what does that do with mercy? Power. Power is neutral. So he explains, because with a powerful hand, he prepares nourishment for all his creations, as is written, the lions cry for their prey to ask for from God, from Kel, their food. That's the whole comment in Tosfot. Very unclear. Tosfot tells us two things. One, he tells us the meaning of the word Kel, meaning of the word El. It's not actually a religious word. It's not a word, it's not a divine word. It means power. Other names of God are used only of God. This word means power. Okay, that's also the first point. I accept it. But if that's true, then it's not an attribute of Chesed. It's a neutral attribute. Power. Power can be used to do nice things, used to do bad things or mean things. Punishment. If God destroys stone Vamora. It's not an attribute of power. So Tosfot gives a pasuk that God gives nourishment to all creatures. Okay, I hear it, but what's... And when God destroys mountains, brings earthquakes, split the Dead Sea, the, the Red Sea, powers, they're all powers. 
Everything's power. Why is power, strength, an attribute of chesed? First of all, Tosa's first point. Tosa's first point is accepted by all commentators. Pasuk, we say, in Tefillah, Pasuk taken from Shirat Hayam, Mi Chamocha Ba'ilim Hashem. Rashi explains, because Rashi's bothered, we're talking Moshe Rabbeinu here, speaking to God, who is like you among the gods? Oh God? We don't believe that there are many gods. So why would Moshe Rabbeinu praise God by saying, who is like you among the other gods? So Rashi explains, Ba'ilim Bachazakim. The word Ilim doesn't mean gods necessarily. It means the powers. As is written in Yecheska, an important example because that Pasuk isn't referring to gods at all. The powerful of the land were taken, they were taken into captivity. It's talking about people. The most powerful people in the land are called Eilei Haaretz. Another Pasuk, that is addressed to God, but it's saying, I'm, I'm in trouble, so my power come and save me. Because the word is not a religious word. So it's true that, that the powers in the world Pagans think that they're gods. And we think they're merely tools in the hands of the one God. All the powers, all the natural powers that I see, the sea, the wind, the sun, you are not among them. You are, you are greater than them. Pagans think that those are the gods, the god of the sea, the god of the wind, the god of the lightning. But you are greater than all of those things. The Maman says the same thing. This language is one of power and strength. Because the context is after the splitting of the Red Sea. The Jews had witnessed an amazing event and therefore they sang Moshe Rabbeinu at their heads, who is like you among all the powers of the world? Nothing we've ever seen is anything like this. You were greater than all the powers. They, were, they, had, they had witnessed power and therefore they were reflecting on God's power. But again, the question is, so power is neutral. It's not chesed. It's not din. Din could be an exercise of power. Chesed could be an exercise of power. Just to give example, uh, there's a bracha, which Chazal instituted, the last parak of uh, brachot. It's called givura. I think it's the same concept. Givura means means power. Koach, tokef, givura. You make a bracha when you wish, when you witness the strength of God. Baruch atah Hashem alakinu melech olam shekoho u'givurato malei olam. His strength and power fill the world. When you make this bracha, practically speaking, nowadays the most common example of that bracha is when you hear thunder. Is thunder chesed? Thunder is mercy? Thunder is thunder. But when you hear thunder, you, you shudder, you feel the hand of God. I would imagine that had I been present on the cliffs overlooking stone the Amorah, when God showered upon them sulfur and hail and overturned those cities and created what today is the amazing and terrible desert Surrender the Dead Sea. I, I, if I had, when I recovered slightly from my shock, I think I would make the bracha. I'm not watching chesed. I'm watching gevura. I'm watching koach, but I'm not watching chesed. Now perhaps you'll say, maybe, maybe, maybe Tosfot is wrong. Maybe kel doesn't mean koach. Doesn't mean power, at least not in this context. But I think Tosfot has to be right. There is no question that power is an essential element in midot Rachamim. Because it's an explicit pasuk in Parshat Shlach, few months after Moshe Rabbeinu had learned, God had disclosed to him the Yudgimu Midot, comes the second sin, the sin of the spies. Moshe Rabbeinu, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people. And Moshe Rabbeinu then appeals to God, uses Yudgimu Midot in order to achieve forgiveness. 
He says to God, And God says to him, I will forgive. And Moshe Rabbeinu recites Yudu Midot, but he introduces them by saying, I quoted this Pasuk in the first year, and now, God, magnify your power as you have spoken. So in the first year, I talked about the word magnify, yigdal, and I explained how Yigdal Midot Magdil in the world magnifies the presence of God in the world. But I'm going to talk about the object of that magnification. He didn't say, now God, magnify your mercy. God, God, magnify your power in the world as you have said. All of them, the magnification of God's power. And, and Moshe Rabbeinu appeals to that. He says, I, I, I know you can't forgive us, so increase your strength and then forgive us. So it's explicit that forgiveness is a result of strength. The, the principle, the basis of Yudhiyu Midot is Yigdalna Koach Hashem. But I want to understand it. Why of all the things that one can appeal to, Moshe Rabbeinu pays for this, pays for that, only when he asks for forgiveness did he first say, Yigdal Nakach. When we ask God to do A, B, and C, we ask God for vain. We don't say, increase your strength. We say, use your strength. But for forgiveness, God had to increase his strength. And that's what I'd like to understand. I'm going to give three answers now. They're not three different answers. It's the same answer. I'm going to say it on three different levels. I'm not contradicting or, or even offering multiple Insights here. I want to give one basic answer. But I want to say it three times. Okay, number one. In order to have mercy, you need power. What do I mean by power when speaking about God? It's a bit of a difficult idea. I mean, God doesn't need power or everything God does is power, but he has infinite power, so it's not a problem. When I speak about you, I'm saying, you know, gird your loins and use power. I mean, there's a special effort that needs to be made. But since when does God need a special effort to do anything? So I think the answer is that when we speak of God's power here, we mean he has to overcome something. I don't know if it's it's not difficult. Okay, I'm not, I'm not worried about how much you know how, how difficult it'll be for God. He's not gonna it's not gonna hurt his muscles. But I mean is that some things flow and some things are, require overcoming. The word in Hebrew givura, strength, but it means to overcome. Lehitgaber is litgaber al to overcome a certain obstacle. So in terms of our language about God, we mean that God exercises power when he's overcoming something. Now, how does that apply here? So I think the answer is as follows. Din doesn't require power. As we explained in the previous shiur, if you've sinned, and din means you no longer exist, it doesn't require that God exercise power. You don't exist because there's no basis for your existence. Sin doesn't require punishment. doesn't engender punishment. It genders non-existence. They asked wisdom. What is the din? What is the judgment of a sinner? And wisdom answered, a man in his sin dies. So if din would take place, God wouldn't have to overcome anything. It, it, it's natural, so to speak. Once you've sinned, you've cut off your source of life. You've cut off your oxygen, your spiritual oxygen supply, and you don't exist anymore. Chesed means that God should maintain your existence despite the presence of sin. This was the essential point I made last week in the second shiur concerning Havaya la'achar hachet. I am he who makes all existence even after the sin. Kel is pointing out how that midah works. In order for God to give existence to sin, he has to overcome something. Meaning he has to 
He has to exercise special power. Because the rule of the world says that sinners don't exist. He's overcoming natural law, so to speak. Natural law, real natural law. says if you sin, you're dead. Other, um, other, other, other actions of God are within natural law. But this, believe it or not, is against natural law. And we have to remember now what I said also in the past, that we're not talking about God giving you slicha. We're not talking about canceling a particular punishment. We're talking about canceling death, canceling destruction. Both psukim, in which you give me don't apply. The original one, Chet HaEgel, and the second one, Chet what God had said to Moshe Rabbeinu was, I will destroy them all. Va'achale, kilayon. Kilayon means nothingness, non-existence. Lechalot means to end. I will end them. Karaga, at this second. And Moshe Rabbeinu's whole tefillah is to prevent non-existence. Because non-existence is, is automatic. But God therefore has to exercise strength. We're not talking psychologically now, strength. The result is one of strength. Because he has to change. He has to change the course of what's taking place. In, in, in the side, let me mention, we have a bracha in Shmanesri called Birkat Gevurot. It's the second bracha in Shmanesri. Where we mention, we, we react to God's Givura. What are the examples given there? Each one of them involves I mean, anything could be gvura, but there are very particular examples there. Somech nuflim, ofei cholim, matir asurim, mechayemitim. Each one of them is where there's a process in motion, and God reverses it. Okay? Somech nuflim. You're falling. You're subject to gravity. God holds you up. Ofei cholim. You're you're sick. You're in the process of being weakened. You're in the process of dying. Uh, sickness is is the beginning of death, but God is rofeichol and He reverses natural law. Matir asurim, a little bit more distant from the idea of being in prison, but but you 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 you're in prison. The 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 wall, the doors are locked. The key's been thrown away. It's not that God helps you get to the end of your term. You're in the middle of your term. God breaks down the walls and takes you out. He breaks the bounds of bondage, shatters the chains of your slavery. Each one of these examples is we, God's gvura means reversing the natural process. And of course, the thing that Bacha is really about, the Khatima is hamitim. That's like Rufei Cholim, but magnified a hundred times. You're dead. There's no process that's more inexorable, more final, more irreversible than being dead. God's hamitim. Those are examples of gvura. I think here what the Bacha, what the Yudot is saying is that to, it doesn't look so magnificent, you're not sick and getting better, you're well and staying well, but you're a sinner. And therefore every second that God should maintain the existence of sin is a constant reversal of the true natural law that says, So, my first point, why is there gvura in chesed? Because God has to overcome the world. He has to overcome man. He has to overcome the state that you're in. You're basically sick, and God maintains your health. You're basically non-existent, and God gives you existence. That's point one. Point two, a little deeper. The exercise of power in chesed isn't only to overcome the world. Again, I'm saying it's the same point I'm making now. I'm just saying it a little bit deeper. God doesn't only overcome the world, but God overcomes God. Now, what do I mean? There are natural laws, such as sickness, such as gravity. They're also called gvura. But the truth is, that for God to reverse a natural law is, well, I think it's easy. He made the law. He changes the law. 
the reason why gravity pulls things down is because that was the will of God. So if the will of God is that it shouldn't take place, it won't take place. I think we can still call this Buva, as Shwan does. But, but you have to realize that it's only because the law has been placed in the world and now God is changing that. So there's a certain amount of uh, confrontation. God against the world. God against natural law. And he will overcome. But it's not that difficult because he made the law in the first place. But the law that says that evil cannot exist isn't the same kind of a law as a law that says things fall down because of gravity. You might say, ah, it's less of a law. It's, there's no such natural law. It's more of a law. Because it's rooted not in God's will, but in God's very existence. It's that God picked and said, okay, I think that evil things shouldn't exist. God is good. God is the good. That evil should not exist isn't a, a decision on God's part, which can be changed by another decision. It's an expression of God's basic goodness, of God's existence. He is the good. When we ask that God should forgive us and maintain us despite the sin, we're asking that the good should maintain evil. We're asking that he who is pure good, he is the good, capital T, capital G, that he should be responsible for the existence of evil. That's not just a psychological difficulty. It's a confrontation of God's will that I'm asking for, God's chesed, and God's and, and, and God's definition. He has to overcome his own Pure metaphysical goodness. It's not a psychological difficulty. It's a metaphysical difficulty. It's such a great difficulty I'm not sure how it takes place. Okay, I have an idea. We all know the idea in the end has to do with Bechirach of Shed. Yes, God does want to maintain evil. And even the good can maintain evil because he hopes more good will come out of it. But that doesn't change. I just said it in one sentence. It requires, uh, requires a year of thought. It's not a topic. It's a fact that God maintains evil and if we can ask him to maintain evil. But you have to realize what you're asking for. You're asking for an amazing exercise of strength. Because you got to, God has to overcome his own basic nature, which is the nature of the good. There's an internal, uh, I'm speaking like, it's like come on, analyzing God. There's an internal conflict in God when God uses chesed to save a person who has sinned. He's not just overcoming a rule that he happened to have made when he made the world. He's overcoming a rule that existed before the world existed. He's overcoming a rule which is God Himself. He's overcoming it's it's chesed against tov, God's mercy against God's goodness as a metaphysical quality. And I want to immediately draw a practical conclusion. What do you mean when you say this midah? I try to do this every single midah we have, giving an intellectual share. What do you give a midah? But it also it also indicates what you should be not not kavana. I said, but your awareness when you say midah. When you say kel, you're saying God exercise power to save me. You're saying exercise divine power to overcome your own new divine self. Chazal of an expression, famous Gemara, became even more famous today because there's a song which many of us know, Mamar of Rabbi, Elisha, uh, Rabbi Ishmael ben Elisha, who blessed God. And one of the things he said to God was, Your mercies should should overcome. Usually we use the word lichbosh to conquer. Your mercy should conquer, should overcome your anger. Okay, so it's, it's a, it's a simile taken from human life. When a person's angry, it's not the same as saying, you, you've decided to go left, I would like you to change your mind and go right. And again, if, if you're a judge, you decided to convict, change your mind, acquit. Um, I've made a decision to do A, make a decision to do B. Okay, that, that, that's not hard to do. 
But when we say somebody should overcome, a human being now should overcome his anger, the anger isn't the decision. He can't just, you're angry? Decide not to be angry. The anger burns. It's himself. He is angry. He hasn't decided to be angry. He is angry. We have this picture of a person who's angry and we ask him to stop. So he has to exercise self-control. But self-control, Chazar said, Eizu Gibor HaKovei the ultimate ag- expression of givurah, of power, is self-control. So Kaviachol, you know, with extension to God. God has to control himself. Has to restrain his hand, which is moving because it's God's burning anger within. We'll talk about anger a little bit later in one of the other midot. We get to Erech Apayim, which is a midah that explicitly is about anger. Apayim is another word for anger. But, but already, I'm just using here as an example. Overcoming oneself is Yichbushu Rechamecha et Kascha. When you say midat kel, that's what you're asking God to do. Overcome yourself and act against your own instincts, so to speak, in order to have me exist. Not an easy thing, I think, to think or to feel when you're saying it. Yeah, we want God to be nice. Be nice and help me out. You're asking God to, so to speak, go against his own, his funny words to use about God, his own basic nature. Don't be so good that you can't suffer evil. Be a little bit less good. Or be so, or be good in such a way that you can maintain the existence of evil at the same time. We don't appeal to God's existence when we ask for chesed. We appeal to his strength. Because his existence is against us. But his strength can be used for us. Okay, so that's the second level. My first level was God overcoming the world. Second level is God overcoming himself. What still bothers me? Bothers me only one thing. Both explanations that we gave explain why to do chesed, God needs strength. And I have this feeling that if we count kel as a attribute of mercy, it doesn't mean an attribute in the service of mercy, but it means an attribute of mercy. Nothing I said explains why mercy, why strength is mercy. In order to do mercy, God has to gird his loins. He has to call upon the reservoir of strength. And that might be good enough, but somehow I feel that Yudgimu Midota Rechamim means power is mercy. Not in the service of mercy, but it is mercy. And that we haven't explained yet. And if I want to say a slightly different point, a slightly different explanation of what we mean to say that God exercises power, go back to the original question I said, everything God does is easy. It doesn't need power. So I'm going to give a slightly different explanation. I think power by God means creation. If the world, if the present situation has the potential within it to lead to the future situation, then no power is necessary. But if the present situation does not support the next step, then God has to exercise power. In other words, power is creativity. It's adding energy. It's intervention from outside. Therefore, the ultimate example of power is, of course, creation, which we've also pointed out is chesed. When God created the world, it's because the world couldn't create itself. There was nothing in the non-existence which would support existence. That's the ultimate and the true meaning of the power of God. When He does something, that's what we mean about ourselves. So to speak, again, so to speak, the world from a day-to-day basis, God could be at rest. The Aristotelian God, for instance, who's a God that exists without the necessity for intervention because the world supports itself. So Aristotle says God is at rest, thinks about himself. He has no object outside himself. When the Ramam explained that despite what Aristotle was correct, but God had to create the world, okay, the creation of the world was an action, a non-rest. But then the world is created with the principles that maintain its existence. Conservation of matter, conservation of energy. If there's conservation of matter, conservation of energy, then God doesn't have to do anything. So there's no need for givuah. What I'm saying is that 
the power of God is the power of intervention, of creativity. That's what power means. Now, the Rishonim have an idea, the most explicit formulation of this idea is found in Yitzhak Aramah, the Sefer Kedat Yitzhak, but it's found in other Rishonim as well, even in the Mamba. But Yitzhak Aramah took it to the most extreme conclusion. When God made the world, He made laws of nature. He said there's a law of gravity, there's a law of fire, there's a law of uh, laws of nature. That's called nature number one, according to the Akedat Yitzchak. He calls it the blind nature. In the blind nature, fire burns the flesh of the righteous and burns the flesh of the evil. Then, Bavitzakamara says, God created nature number two. A second set of laws of nature. That's the intelligent nature. In the intelligent nature, it's a law of nature that fire burns the flesh of the evil, but is harmless and innocuous to the flesh of the righteous. In other words, Sachar Onesh. Reward and punishment are laws of nature. The Kadet Yitzhak develops this idea at length. And without talking about the two natures, which is a difficult concept, the idea is found in many Rishonim. That it's built in to God's creation in the six days of creation. Reward and punishment. Evil is punished and virtue is rewarded. If that is true, then Din is non... Today, the application of Din today is non-creative. The existence of the world explains why there should be din. God does not need to intervene to have din. It's a law of nature. I said this in the beginning in the first year, in the first uh, explanation. But I'm saying it more, more generally now. All punishment is din, and din means the world does it. God doesn't impose punishment. The world punishes you. It's a law of nature that crime does pay. It's a law of nature that the righteous are rewarded. So therefore, koach, intervention, creativity, is only an expression of chesed. It's always chesed. It's by definition chesed. Now, theoretically, it could be that God can intervene in the world to do more din, but he doesn't need to do it. The din is built in. He could intervene in the world to do, uh, uh, to do injury, to do, to do evil, but he doesn't, because God is good. You say, maybe he does do it. Tzadik Vavado. Not our topic today. In theory, God does not intervene in the world to bring suffering on those who don't deserve it. So, the only intervention, the only koach that there is in the world is chesed. In other words, koach doesn't serve chesed. It is chesed. God's intervention in the world means that he is not letting the course of the world, he's not letting nature take its course but he's doing something special. What is special in the world? What's special in the world is chesed. For the reasons I explained before, it's against the laws of nature, it's against the nature of God, it's intervention, it's yitzira yesh me'ayin, it's creation ex nihilo, something from nothing. And therefore, chesed is always koach, and koach is always chesed. And again, when you say, Hashem Hashem kel, that's what you're appealing to. You're appealing for God to take me out of the course of the world, put me in your special hands of creation, and therefore give me existence. I want to add, just take one more minute of your time to make one conclusive, conclusive, concludatory, uh, concluding uh, point. Something you have to realize when you say, we have a, a habit of associating mercy with weakness and strength with, well, with cruelty or with hardness. If you're walking in the street and you see a miserable person, a beggar, and you give him money, 
you might feel that you're being weak. What happened? You were overcome by pity. You weren't strong enough to you know you basically think you shouldn't give money to people in the streets. But what could you do? You know, the guy was crying, he was miserable, he has no legs, he's sitting in rags, so you give him a quarter, you give him a dollar. We have a feeling that that's a weakness. If I was stronger, I wouldn't I wouldn't give in. But I don't have the strength. I can't chase them away. So what do we do? What do some people do? So you live in a closed community, you hire someone to lock the gates so you don't have to see it. If you don't see it, it won't overcome you. If I was stronger, I wouldn't give in. Strength is associated with hardness of heart. What this Midah is teaching us is that strength is mercy. And mercy is strength. That among other things means that you shouldn't be giving tzedakah because you're overcome by his miserableness, but because you decide to give tzedakah. It could be he doesn't deserve it. It doesn't take strength to say to him, you don't deserve it. You have the whole, the whole law of nature. You have the rules of justice behind you. How much strength does it take to say to somebody, the law says you don't deserve it. But if I say the law says you don't deserve it, I'm going to give you anyhow. That requires strength. And we should realize that mercy is strength and not weakness. And therefore, only if you realize that, I think, can you turn to God and say, be merciful to me. When I say to God, oh, be weak, let me off. How could you even imagine such a thing to say to God? You're saying to God, God, be strong. Overcome all these rules. Overcome justice itself. Overcome a kind of goodness. And give me existence despite my miserable, sinful nature. All chesed, our chesed, and God's chesed should be done with power. The power to be good, the power to be kind is a power and not, and not a weakness. And therefore, God's power is also the power to be good. The pasuk which the Tosfot had quoted, hakefirim shoagim lataref, the lions cry for their prey and ask God to give them food. What, what, what's happening here? It means lions are powerful and therefore it's easy for them to get the prey, but not always. So the lions are crying for prey because they can't, despite the being kings of the beasts, they can't not find their prey and therefore they have to appeal to God. Again, law of nature didn't help. The law of nature says, at least in, in, the, in, the, in the poetic view of, uh, of the poet, of, of, of Sefer Tilim, the law of nature says that lions prey on lambs. And when nature fails, I call upon God to do something which is not in nature and give me food, says the lion, to cancel the rule of the world and give chesed. Havaya, the world is created with chesed. Havaya number two, the world of chet is created with chesed. El, third attribute, the world of chet is created with chesed. The world of chet is created by canceling justice in the world and adding more power, more power of the good to enable the good to maintain even temporarily evil in the world so we should be able to continue to exist. And hopefully do tshuva tomorrow. Thank you. We'll be back on Thursday with the fourth midah and the fifth midah. Chanun verachun.